I'm Rick Atwater. Welcome to Straight Stuff on Addictions, brought to you from Straight Up Studios here in beautiful Bull Valley, um, where we are uh, every Sunday night at 10, although I want to let you know that next week we're going to go to 8 o'clock. So, um, yeah, because all of us that uh, need to get to bed, you know, on Sunday night, we'll appreciate it. And then maybe our live listens will go up. So anyway, um, this week will be 8 o'clock, so I want to make sure I got that in there. Uh, we'd like to thank our first real sponsor. We've been thanking, you know, phony sponsors for the last mm, six weeks. And so I'd like to, to thank our first real sponsor, Burrito Grande, the best little burrito joint in McHenry County at 140 Crystal Street. That's Route 14, right across from the train station in Cary. Go get a burrito. Say hi to Chris. We're two. Yeah. Say hi to Chris. And uh, also thank our resident uh, technical person and producer, Chris Atwater, who also happens to own the burrito joint. So that works out really good. Uh, And thank our studio audience for being here tonight. And and thanks to Brent O., who provided us with the music for our intro um, tonight. And our show tonight is Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I'll explain that in just a minute. Um, first of all, we, we'd love to have your questions and your comments. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Atwater, uh, or you can call us on our regular call-in number, which is 323-792-2977. I'll say that again, 323-792-2977. We'd love to hear from you. So tonight, Beauty and the Beast, and let me just set this up for you. Um, the Beauty will be represented by Mary <laughs> Pat, um, the Beast by Mr. Drughead. Hello. And, <laughs> and so um, the, reason we, the reason we did it this way is because um, – Mr. Drughead is a guy who probably knows more about the drug scene than anybody I've ever met. I would call him a savant <laughs> in that regard. That's what you like to call. A very smart guy when it comes to those things. Um, and Mary Pat kind of represents the innocent side. The uh, Mary Pat could be like somebody's mom, you know. Well, she is somebody's, somebody's mom. mom. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys for coming tonight. And um, maybe, maybe I w- I'd like to just maybe start the questioning with you, uh, Mr. Drughead, and just um, ask you in a general way, how how did you get to know so much about drugs? How did you get the, how did you get this knowledge? Well, when you want to obtain knowledge, it's how you really obtain it. I mean, wanting to know something is kind of how you do it, and I mean, doing it's how you know it. So. I mean, I guess initially I kind of wanted to know what everybody, what the hype up was about drugs or what there was to know about doing more of something than another person and if there really was genetics behind the whole thing and if a certain person can simply handle more of another thing 
opposed to another person. What did you find out about that? Well, it's all genetics. I mean, it all has to do with, I mean, and, it, and not all of it is. I mean, a lot of it has to do with self-experience, too. Um, the more self-experience there is, I mean, the more the more of a chance there is that you know what you're doing. You don't have to get a hold of someone like me to ask answer your questions. But you, but but so you've got a lot of experience, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, you have to if you're answering the questions I answer on a daily basis. All right, all right. So it's experience, Mary Pat. What do you what do you make of that? Well, I'm happy to be around someone that has a lot more information around the topic than I, because I'm a mom of an almost 18 year old. And she's not using drugs right now. And I can't think of a reason why, meaning I haven't done anything any differently from the other moms. So my question would be, what do you think parents need to do or not do in order to protect their kids from starting out using drugs? Now, is your question more so why do other kids do drugs or more so why didn't your kid do drugs? Well, let's make it a little more generic. So what do parents need to do, parents in general, to ensure that their kids are going to not start to use drugs? Well, I mean, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. I mean, it may sound heartbreaking to everybody on the other line of that, but, you know, there's nothing you can do that will strictly say, this is going to stop your kid from doing drugs. Or if your kid sees this, you're never going to do drugs. I mean, the best thing I can say is, like, just have them talk to somebody who's in a, who's been in a real-life situation. I mean, mm-hmm. if you talk to somebody, if they talk to somebody who, in their epitome, if in their head is cool, they think is cool, you know, somebody who, oh, I think, you know, tattoos and riding a motorcycle is cool. Well, if you let them talk to somebody who rides a motorcycle and has got a bunch of tattoos and is a really successful person, mm-hmm. then they're going to get far. But, I mean, if you just let them talk to, like, every guy that's got a tattoo and a motorcycle, they're probably not going to get the better end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Every parent wants to know, don't they? Every parent wants to know that. Like, how do I, how do I protect my kid? Yeah, or how do I even predict whether my kid's going to use or not? I mean, are, when you meet kids, do you have an intuitive sense of this one is going to use drugs, this one is not? Is there? Have you learned the difference yet? Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about that. Um, well, I mean, honestly, me being in tune with people is a completely different segment. I mean, it's that's um, I'm a, I'm a Wiccan, so I believe like I think I can feel people's energy more than I can you know than I can portray or than I can talk about, but um. I mean, yeah, when you have a connection with somebody, regardless of what the connection's on, I mean, you can tell. I mean, before I even started practicing witchcraft, I could tell that there was, you know, like, or like, even just by talking to somebody, I mean, the way they carry themselves, the way they talk about it, the way they just, the way they handle themselves in a situation, I mean, you can Or maybe they might come up to you and say, hey, you want to smoke some weed? Yeah. That would be a clue. The way they say it, though, even, I mean, it's like, or you could tell, like, what, what generation they are in doing drugs by the way they ask a question. What about older people? I mean, let me. What about older people? That I mean, can you? You, you think can, you would know? Like, you can tell somebody's old that does drugs when they call pot dope. Okay. <laughs> and why is that? Explain that. Because dope is heroin. Okay. Right. To dope, anybody, where's the, where's the cutoff? Dope is heroin. Dope is either heroin or crystal meth. Now, on what side of the border you're on, that's totally up to you. What's the cutoff age-wise where where dope, when did dope 
Stop being hair. pot yeah, and start being yeah, heroin. How old do you have to be to understand that? Sounds like my dad. Uh, over, <laughs> yeah, over the age of four, no, 35, 40, 35, 35, because because I know some self-respecting heroin addicts that are 30, 30 years old, and they know dope is heroin, so mm-hmm. I, I'd have to say... Um, okay, so about 35. 40, 40, 30, 40. 35, 40. Okay. Yeah, is that, mm-hmm. is that, is that yeah, making... Yeah. Yeah, that, the information that you didn't have before? I did not have that before. Okay, so now when you say dope, you know what that means, right? right? I'm, I'm getting educated. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is it like for you to hear somebody say that there's nothing that you can do? Well, it's it's a bit concerning. Um, not so much for me because I feel like I'm intuitive and I can look at my daughter and know. Right. Uh, but you, I guess you never really know. For the person out there who isn't terribly intuitive or Wiccan, how how do we help parents know that, yeah, your kid's on drugs, but you may not have seen that? Okay, well, I mean, you have to, denial has to be a huge registry for you. I mean, you have to realize that, like, okay, denial can be a factor. And, like, if you think that your kid is the only one in their whole group not getting high, you're in <laughs> denial. If you have, if you've got a kid that hangs out with a group of potheads at 4:20, which is a time to get high, all every day they hang out at 4:20, and you're telling me your kid's not getting high. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're in, you're in denial. Um, but I mean, are there kids that hang out with all of their friends or strictly get highs and they're not? Yes. Yeah. I have had friends that all of their friends get high and they just. Never took a liking to drugs. So how, why is that? That's the question. Why why is that one kid able to be surrounded by everyone else getting high and they didn't like it or they're not going to? Well, you just said it. I mean, either they didn't like it. Like okay. the, the main thing of about drugs is what do you like? Okay. It's it's what feeling do you like? What's what phenomenon? What what do you acquire with fun? Like yeah. what what does fun register as in your head? Like does or do bright lights and smiling register as fun? Does falling asleep on yourself and dazing out into three days fun? Or is being so awake to the point where you can see everything around you fun? Yeah. Like what what is fun in your head? Because that's what decides whether you do drugs, whether you like drugs, what drugs you do, whether you're an upper person, a downer person, whether you smoke it, whether you snort it, whether you shoot it, all that. Or you don't do any of it. Or you don't do any of it. Well, most people that don't do any of it, came to the point where they did it and they realized that they didn't. That some point along the way they were doing better. That's most people that don't do it. They found that not doing it is the way to do it. I mean, not I, I many have people say, are just born the way not doing it. I have to say that I, you know, I mean, just from from my experience, that having been a, a drug counselor for like years, I can't tell, honestly. Really? No, I can't tell. I wouldn't. I mean, I, I could test them, you know, they, but they look they all look the same. Interesting. They all they talk the same. They dress the same. They look the same. Some you know, curly hair, straight hair. You can't tell. You know, I mean. Beha- maybe behaviorally over time, mm-hmm. you know, things will happen. You know, you know the standard drug education, blah 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 about grades and right. friends and and, and you know attitude. Which but other isn't than that, necessarily drug true. Tests. Which isn't necessarily true. I mean, I mean, okay, like you could say my grades suffered because of the drugs I did. That's not true. I was just bored. I mean, I got A's and everything I did. I was fine. I mean, I. 
I okay, yeah, I had some reading comprehension problem. Okay, well, who who can read and comprehend everything they read when they're in sixth grade? Mm-hmm. Not everybody. Nobody I know remembers everything they read in yeah, sixth grade. Yeah, but what about the benzos? Okay. Don't you think that well, had a little something to benzos do with it? help you forget everything. And I mean, the problem with that is okay. benzos are more appealing to the younger group because it's kind of more of like a wasted feeling, kind of like, oh, I want to be drunk. I just want to forget life, you know? That's kind of what benzos do. And the problem with these days is that's what every kid likes, is every kid wants to be high on benzos. And benzos make you forget half of your life. I mean, they'll make you forget your own damn birthday. Wow. <laughs> so okay, so is that are you getting some information here? A lot of information, although yeah. it's a little discouraging because, from what I'm understanding, there's really not much we can do as parents. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, but I think straight, straight up prevention. To prevention, up there prevention. is none. There is okay. none. The best prevention is let them live. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't like. I'm not going to lie, like, when my parents just, like, hover over me and, like, hoard me and, like, watch everything I'm doing, I just want to go get high. I mean, I just want to go do drugs. I mean, like, just quit watching (laughs) me, man. Like, if I do drugs, are you going to quit watching me? Because I'll do all the drugs in the world if you quit looking at me. You know what I mean? And, like, that's what, like, that's where it starts is kind of like a don't look at me or, like, a look at me type of thing. It's like you want people to look at you or you don't want people to look Mm -hmm. at you. And that's kind of where the drugs come in. It's either, like, you do it to be invisible or you do it to be noticed. Let me shift. Can I shift this a minute and ask? I want to kind of take it to, to to another area for a minute and because I know that you know a lot about uh, a topic uh, or a category of drugs that we we'll, we'll call we call them legals or you could you know some people call them research chemicals research chemicals yeah uh, which is the way that the drug the which people come, who make the drugs was come about uh make make them so that they are legal so what talk about a little bit about legals what's out there i mean the the, people, the stuff that people know about is like the vice the bath Bath salts. Bath okay, salt. well, spice and bath salts, like, okay, well, you got, like, your spice, which is, I mean, that's legal to technically sell in certain head shops in certain counties. But the thing is, is it comes as a powder, and it's sold as an aroma type of deal. I mean, it's a vegetation. They take different they take different vegetations of different plants that are supposed to, quote-unquote, smell good, and they take this. Well, it used to be JWHO18, which is the number research chemical that they used, and they dissolve it in acetone and spray it on this combination of vegetation, which was the only thing they had a patent on. Any company that has a patent, all they have the patent on is the vegetation. You can't have a patent on a research chemical. It's impossible. Well, you can, but you can't patent it in the point where like this is mine nobody else can use it and the it. stuff that you spray on there is is the is the chemical that gets, that you, gets high. you high and this oh. is the this is the marijuana like this is the marijuana like one this one is stimulant like pop now the bath salt they call it they're calling it super coke or legal cocaine it's what it really is is it's, le- it's legal mess I mean, it's me- it's meth. It's it's stronger than meth. I mean, I've never done real meth, but I mean, when I did this drug, I, when I think of meth, I mean, this is as far as hardcore as I could imagine meth being. I mean, like they call it glass, and this definitely makes like if you snort it after a long time, it makes it like it's glass. Like if you try to drink anything or anything, it rips open your throat because you snort it so much that it crystallizes your throat. Um, and then there's this other drug called methadrone that's 
there's actually 50 different kinds of it. And um, it's that's methadrone. Methadrone, yeah. and it's um, it, it's all there's also one called MDAT, M-D-A-T, mm-hmm. and um, there's there's other ones, and these are all like ecstasy. And are they out there? I mean, people are people are people using them? These are internet drugs. These are internet drugs, and it sounds so far fetched, and it sounds like people are using them in other countries or in different you know different you know planets. No, like people are using this right in my backyard. I mean, like, like my, like, I mean, I know the person who started the research chemical getting high fat or whatever. When, when research chemicals were just research chemicals, like I remember that day, and I remember the day when we all woke up and we're like, well, these get you high. And how long ago was that? And that that was less than a year ago. I mean, a year ago. What are we in? A year ago in April was when I mean the the legals have been out for about three years now, and when it started getting intense, when everybody started talking about how they could just keep doing drugs and not not pass and passing drug screens, and there's no possible way to get popped for a drug screen. Was and, about and two years and ago. And that's the advantage to I mean I don't know if advantage is the right word, but that's the advantage of these drugs is they're really not testable. Well, yeah, they're not testable, and they're not technically even illegal yet. Hmm. Some are some of them illegal, or none well, of them? Well, yeah, some of the JWHs are right. JWH, any JWH family member is already been made illegal because some kid has crashed their vehicle on it, and they have decided to pull it. But see, every 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 letter has a cousin. And every cousin's got a number. So every letter that's got a number has got like 13 chemicals behind it that'll get you high. So, I mean, think of every number and letter as going with each other. So that's over 26 combinations. And then imagine putting on that. So you've got about, mm, we'll, we'll just call it 36. Mm-hmm. We'll say there's 36 different combinations of one drug that can get you high. So they can make one illegal and then... And they can make, and then there's, there's another 35, 35 of them that yeah. do the exact same thing to you, that but they're just, yet. they're just not as potent, or they're more potent, or it takes longer to hit you, or it lasts longer. Or, All right, well, let me let me stop there and ask you, <laughs> what 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 does this make? I mean, how does this? What's this doing to you? Well, I'm shocked to be honest with you. I mean, I feel very um, shocked. Yeah. So my question is. So are high school kids able to find these and use them? Yes. Where are they most prevalent? High schools. Okay. And how are they found? Um, honestly, this sounds sad, but it's through process of elimination. I mean, it's through, okay, well, I'm getting drug, okay, well, I'm going to court. So I can, I'm getting drug tested. So I can only do cocaine or heroin. Or meth because it's got to be in my out of my system in three days. Explain explain that. Now now, pot is the only drug technically that stays in your system for the extended period of thirty days. Okay. Now pot can stay in your system for longer than thirty days if your fat content's higher than that. Okay. But the absolute longest it you could say technically would be three months. Okay. I mean you can say six months, but you'd be talking out of your ass. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna say three months. And but all the the other drug the other three drugs else, you mentioned everything else gets out of your system within a week. Okay. Me- heroin, cocaine, meth, any of that stuff gets out of your system in under forty eight hours or under seventy two hours. Yeah, seventy two. Seventy two. Well. 
72 works. Mm -hmm. But um, it's so, well, okay, that's process of elimination. So now it's, okay, I can only use these three drugs. Well, then you go to your probation officer's office and you pee, and it was three days after the last time you did the drug, but you still fail. Right. So next thing you know is all you can do is the ones that don't show up in the drug screen. Okay. Well, then the next thing you realize is the ones that don't show up in drug screens actually have three times the repercussions as the ones that do show up in drug screens. Repercussions, yeah, what do you, you mean, mean by that? By, re by repercussion, I don't mean going to jail. I mean side effect. I oh. mean like your nose is bleeding, you're looking like a fish, you're flopping around. Oh. I mean like you're not looking good. <laughs> like it's what I'm talking about. I'm not, I don't mean like, I, I don't mean like all, you know, I, I'm. So this is like <clears throat> you've used something that's not good. Well, and yeah. This, and this will open up, this opens up another area of conversation, which I, we won't get into just, just yet, but I want to make sure we talk a little bit about how, what you do as far as helping people not flop around like fish. Yeah. But, you know, so, which is kind of a different kind of thing. But anyway, so this, this is how people get, you're explaining how people you, get I into it. I see you it. giving that look. Do you not know what flop means? Well, I get a sense of what it means. Well, flop means like, die. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I, it means like you have a like die a on you. Yeah. Like flop out. Yeah. Got it. It's a, it's a flop, you know, like think of how a fish looks out sure, of water. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I try to make yeah. people okay. not look like. We got that. <laughs> we got that. We got that. No, nope, we don't want flopping. Yeah. So flopping in other words, bad. flopping is bad. <laughs> flopping is bad. So that. So, all right. So, so kids are gonna are gonna find these drugs by process of elimination. Is okay. what the what the long Word of it is, it sounds like, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that answers answer your question, right? Yeah. And I think you were going to go into who protects the kids then, since this actually, the legal drugs or whatever you're calling them. Yeah, legals. Research 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 the legals are sounding more dangerous than the illegals. So and they have, in a way, they, they are. are because it's a research chemical, which means it's being researched. Well, the other means, reason is that the other drugs, the other things that have been out there... Are, they've already been pro proclaimed drugs. Right. People are already, okay, this does this to you, this is this, okay, it's a drug. Yeah. It's a drug, yeah. you know what I mean? But and the, the thing, other ones aren't the thing about it drugs. Is, the yeah. thing about the, the drugs that are on, the, the, the commonly known drugs that are on the street is that there's a sort of a street-level quality control. Yeah. Because okay. people already know what to expect there from is those drugs. no quality control with the legals yeah See, and so with yeah. legals okay now a normal person who does drugs can look at amount of an amount of a drug and be like that looks like a fair amount you know that looks like i should do it you know well it's not that simple okay i mean if you're if you grew up like i did doing normal drugs okay when you think of doing a drug the amount that pops in your head will actually kill you in a research chemical. Wow. You don't, the amount that you have to do of a research chemical to get high doesn't even weigh anything. Wow. It, there's, not even a, there's not even a weighing system out yet to weigh that low. I mean, it's, it's less of a point of a nanogram. Okay. So why, why do people, well, I mean, it's hard to imagine that people would take the kind of chances that they do with this stuff when, when you know, but I guess the, you know, I guess that's what drug addicts it's do. It's like snorting glass. Is that what drug addicts do? Basically. I anything mean, to get like high? shooting yourself in the foot repetitively. I mean, if it gets you high, it'll get you high, but you can keep <laughs> you limping around. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Hey, can um, do you want to... Yeah, we've got a call, so we'd like to we'd like to take our call here. Okay. We've got a lot. we got a live question. Yeah. Okay. We've got a caller. 
caller, would you like to go ahead? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Oh. Um, I, I love hearing you, Mary Pat, and yes. Mr. Draghead. It's very cool to hear your conversation. You guys are very well-educated. It's really nice to hear you, so thank you. Um, um, I loved I, your question, Mary Pat, about what a parent could do to um, perhaps prevent their child from um, using drugs. I, I, I'd i like to hear your opinion on this because I... I just it, I find it hard to believe that there's nothing I can do to prevent my team from using drugs. I mean, it's communication, uh, honest, honest conversation. I'm not really sure. I'd like to hear more about that from you, Rick. Okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, I could give you I could give you a, the the short form of the of the answer. I mean, I think here's the thing, and thank you for your question, by the way. The 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 thing that parents really I think mean by the, when they ask about protecting their kids from drugs, it's as if they want to, as if they think that there's a foolproof way to do that. Like there's the one right thing that they can do or the the five right things that they can do and that that's, that's the answer and then their kids will be safe. And the real, tr- and so well, the one thing it, that I think is harmful to do is to mislead parents into thinking that they can do just the right thing and that that's the answer. There are things that you can do that will be helpful, but those aren't guarantees that your kids won't use drugs. Uh, Be open-minded. Talk to your kids. Sure. You know, don't – this is Mr. Drughead talking, not Rick. (laughs) But um, I wouldn't be Mr. Mr. Drughead today if I didn't start doing drugs when I was half my own age. And (laughs) – I have to say that, um, I mean, drugs kind of made me who I am today in not a bad way. Right. I mean, so, uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Doing drugs are wrong in, in every way it's po- explainable, but it, it doesn't always make you the worst person you could have been. Yeah. Right. So, so let's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good separate, that's a good that. point to make because, you know, the we assume that it's the worst thing in the world for for your kid to to quote be on drugs, but I think a vast majority of kids today are going to experiment with drugs. Whether whether no matter whether you stand on your head or no matter what you do, but um, I think the things that you mentioned, like talking to your kid, having good communication, uh, having a good attitude in the family, watching your own substance abuse as a parent, um, things like that are all going to make a difference. You know, in the long run, but. Like your, to your point, Mr. Drughead, all kids who use drugs, even kids who end up using drugs a lot or addictively, doesn't make them bad kids. It just makes them kids that have a problem, and there's lots of problems out there. So we need an example have to, to go off of. We need an example to go off of. We need somebody to set an example for us. I was right. born with an example right in front of me that, okay, smoke pot when you can and do cocaine if you can't smoke pot. Well, if I didn't have somebody that was seven years older than me making it look cool, I don't know if it would have looked as cool as it did from my seat as it does from a 10-year-old seat. So did, that, did, did we get to your question? Absolutely. Communication right. and being a good example. I, I love that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for your call. Thanks for the show, guys. Have- Let me get the segue. 
Oh, what the heck? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> We're going to stop for a minute and and switch gears because a friend of uh, a friend of ours is here, uh, Tom F. And Tom um, Tom knows a lot of uh, I don't know he knows a lot of famous people, and he uh, periodically invites them in. And um, well, I know one of the guys, Tom, that you know uh, is, uh, is is Arnold. You you. You've talked to Arnold. Has he around? As a matter of fact, Rick, I just walked out of the can. Excuse me, but it's great to be here. Listen to all you talking about drugs and and uh, how to stay sober and how to live a clean life and uh, you know stay on the straight and narrow like I've always done my whole life. Yeah, no, you. <laughs> no, is that. Are you telling the truth, Arnold? You know, I would never lie to you, Rick. I have so much respect for you. You know, you're a shining example of spirituality and how to live a sober, clean life, be very productive. Now, so Arnold, you're telling me you've never done drugs? Well, other than you know steroids, uh, here and there, but as you all know, that it didn't affect me one bit in the important places. <laughs> well, thank God for that. Absolutely. I, you know, I, housekeepers beware. <laughs> Was that out loud? Shit. Yeah, we're on the air. Yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, it's an adult show. I'm so sorry. You're, you're good. You're, you know, we, we set it on mature tonight just in case. Turn off the radio, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, okay. So, and uh, like I asked you, I think I asked you before the show about, about your, your, your lifting, whether you're still lifting. I know you're. I don't lift as much. I'm so preoccupied, uh, Rick. No longer the governor. You know, I'm getting back into movies slowly, but now that I'm like 160 years old, the body doesn't look <laughs> like it used to. But I tell you, I strut down uh, Sunset Boulevard in L.A., and I still get hit on. You know, it just goes with the territory. Um, what can I say? You know, it's the Arnold magic. Still, You still have it. I have the spell over females everywhere. You have it. I go to Venice Beach, they cannot help themselves. <laughs> you know how it is. Maybe you don't know no, how I, it is. Yeah, I don't know. No, you can see by my dress. You go to work so, on your abs. <laughs> now, you, you also have, uh, you know, Arnold, you have some other friends that I know you, uh, I think you know uh, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Clinton fairly well, don't you? Is Bill, Bill around? Actually, I think he just came downstairs. Which he was he was up there looking for some kind of magazines. Oh, there he is. Here he comes now. Bill. Hey, Bill. Bill what what are you doing? It's good to join. Why don't you join us? Hey, Arnold. All right. This is fantastic. You guys all talking about sobriety. You know, I have my own twelve step program, but it's a little different. You know, admitted I was powerless over my libido. <laughs> Came to believe my life was unmanageable. Step two, turn my will and myself right over to Hillary, which was a big mistake. God. <laughs> Step three, I just said, uh, to heck with it. Give me the Hooters phone number. <laughs> Step four, gentlemen's clubs. I mean, come on. I'm still working this. It's just a, a progress, not perfection, as you guys always say. <laughs> Anybody see those cheerleaders jogging down the street? <laughs> God. He can't keep his mind out of the gutter. What are you going to do, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Arnold, listen, man. I, lay off, would you? But listen, how did you score that housekeeper? <laughs> so, Bill, what, what have you been doing with your spare time these, these days? I mean... 
Well, I'm friends with Jerry Jones, you know, owner of the Cowboys. Go down there and I judge the cheerleaders. I mean, God, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, we're still alive, aren't we? Yeah, oh, yeah. Dear. Hey, are you still? Do you? I, I know you went on a diet at one time. I, I remember reading something about that. Did you? How, how are you doing with that? You had some heart uh, stuff going on? Or? Used to go out jogging, hit all the McDonald's in D.C. <laughs> had to have heart bypass surgery. Aww. But I've lost a lot of weight. Don't look good. But I tell you, I can still perform. Where? Oh, never mind. It's a family show. Uh, so you're watching your you're watching your uh, fat intake, are you? Or, uh, well, oh, sorry, I was just looking at Mary Pat. Yes, yeah, matter of fact, I am. Uh, yeah, I got into aerobics. You know, but then I get distracted again. God, this is hell. Oh, these Arkansas libidos would just kill you. How How are you and Hillary doing? You know, I mean. You had to bring that up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you know she's you know she's really gone, uh, gone far in politics. You know she's really. Yeah, she has not far enough. <laughs> not far enough away. <laughs> she's like the warden. <laughs> she's my shadow. Just won't leave. Oh dear. Anyways. Yeah. Well, I, and now I know that you are uh, also friends with. Uh, Chris Walken, Christopher Walken, aren't you? Is he, uh, oh, yeah. He just pulled up. As a matter of fact, he, he's walking in the door. Chris, how are you, buddy? You still look a weirdo like a freak. <laughs> you know, Bill, if I had known you were going to be here, <laughs> I might not have come, but I'm good friends with Rick. Uh, just swore off the Bloody Marys myself. <laughs> but I'd love to stay in here and answer questions from all of you. And it's fantastic to be here. You've got Arnold uh, looking at himself over in the corner. That's right, Chris. Don't pay any attention. Don't worry. You really did California great when you were governor. <laughs> you couldn't balance the budget, let alone uh, the way you are with women and housekeepers and everyone else. You mind your own business, why don't you walk in? <laughs> All right. Yeah, now, cool you two. Let me just ask you, are you are you thinking about making a movie, any kind of movies, uh, anytime soon? Or are you? Uh... There's always one in the hopper, Rick. <laughs> movies, shows, um, late-night cable when they need a really weird-looking guy, they ask me, why? I don't know. Um, You've made a couple of... I've made a lot of movies. Yeah, I, some... I don't know what planet you've been on. <laughs> I'm one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. But right now I'm sort of on hiatus since you invited me here out to a hollyhock in Bull Valley, which I must say, the rolling hills are quite beautiful. Wow, thank you. Thank You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. This place is fantastic. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, can we ask, uh, we have a little segue here. Thank you. Uh, we'll get back. Chris, I'm going to get back to you in just a minute, but we Good. have another, we have another call. So, um, Go ahead. Do you want to queue up the caller? Hello. Hello. Yeah, hi. Hi. I uh, really love your show, Rick, and thank you for going on. 
Hey, I have a question for Christopher Walken. Mr. Walken, I'm a huge fan. Could we possibly get more cowbell? (laughs) You know, I really enjoyed that skit from Saturday Night Live. Guys, that last set was good, but I got to have more cowbell, baby. (laughs) That's it. You just made my night, Mr. Walken. I am. We just happened to have a cowbell. It's beautiful. We had the lovely Athena playing it. She did a fantastic job. I am Bruce Dickinson from the show. Um, I like your question. It was cute. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Mr. Caller. Walken. Thank you, caller. Now, now I, I understand uh, that Regis is, is, is around. You, do, do you? Uh, Lo and behold, look who just came in. He's retired now. Kelly's working solo. I don't know if that helps the show or not. Regis, good to see you. I can't believe this. Look at this. This collection of people. Chris, you look more psychotic than usual. The usual gentle, sweet self, Regis. Thank you. No problem. Rick, what are we talking about? There's got to be sobriety, right? Yeah. We're out here at Hollyhock, Bull Valley. How about Chicago listening? I've been quite busy. I've been keeping tabs on Derek Jeter, the third baseman of the Yankees. I'm telling you, the guy is so... Well, I won't get into it, but he just can't lay off women. Is there drugs involved there, or is it uh, strictly uh, the the sex thing? He's got to be on something. I mean, I said, Derek, you've got to stay off the women. You're a celebrity. Don't get involved with them. Slay off! I said, stay away! Come on! What is he going to do? I have no idea. No idea. Go ahead, Rick. Fire away. Yeah, well, what do you, I mean, what else are you doing with your life? You've got, uh, you got, you got any, uh, you're retired now? Is I'm totally retired. Saying? Playing a lot of tennis, playing a lot of golf, trying to get out there with celebrities. Yeah. Uh, just hanging around. I any causes? Be... You got any causes or things that you're doing, uh, you know? Not really. No, not many causes. Uh, <laughs> just helping people everywhere I can, just sort of like you do, Rick, out here at Hollyhock. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, epicenter of spirituality and sobriety. Yeah. In Chicago, at least that's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I told you to say. So that works out well. I'm a trained actor. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm a monkey, you know. Come on, Rick. You're feeding me lies. I'm getting tired here. Right, Arnold. Arnold's over in the corner flexing. Just my business, Regis. Really tired of your panty waist. If you got any wider, you'd be albino. Yeah, really, Arnold. Beautiful, <laughs> California. Thanks. <laughs> well, listen. You know, it's uh, it's very it's good to have you. I'm really I really appreciate uh, your your uh, stopping in to see us. And and I I really all all of you guys, you know, for coming by. You know, Arnold, Bill, and and, and the rest of you. I appreciate you stopping by. And uh, I hope you'll come back and join us. And you know. Yeah. Absolutely, Rick. Oh, God. We're going to go to, hopefully, Admiral Theater in Chicago. It's one of your finest gentlemen. Oh, never mind. Uh, but anyways, I got to I'm out of here. I can't stand this anymore. All right, guys. See you later. Okay. Chris, you going trick-or-treating again? You look nuts. <laughs> I really appreciate that, Regis. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. My head's spinning. Yeah. Well, you bring all those guys in here, you know. We are. No, we're on. Yeah, that's good. But I appreciate that, Tom. It was a great job. Good job. You're welcome. And so, 
I'd like to see if we could get back to maybe talking a little bit about uh, the last piece that we were talking about is we had a question about what parents, you know, what parents could do. And I hope we got that, you know, we, you know, through some things at that. Do you have any more, do you have any more questions uh, online for Mr. Drughead here that you, that you really want to know or things that you, do you wonder, I mean, do you wonder how, well, go ahead. Well, I am curious to, I'd love to hear about your very first experience with drugs, what drug it was, what happened to you, uh, how you decided to continue, because it sounded like you've been or you had done drugs for a while. Can you take us to that? Like the first the first drug that became appealing to me or the first drug that I did? The first drug that you did. Well, the first drug I did was smoke pot. And it was because everybody did it. And I mean, by that, I mean, everybody I looked at did it. I mean, I, I mean, from the, from when I was a kid, I knew what it smelled like. I mean, I watched people do it on TV, and then I watched people do it in real life. And then I, you know, I got a really good memory and just sent, went to, like, you know, when I could smell something and remember what it was, you know. And I knew when, when, when I was seven, I knew it was pot. From that day forward, I never forgot it was pot. Mm -hmm. I just decided to smoke it one day. Well, when I was 10 and decided to smoke pot, I thought that it was the quote-unquote most appealing drug out there because the only reason I had ever heard of somebody quit smoking pot was because they were on probation or it was because they needed mm -hmm. to pee in a cup. Um, as far as my knowledge went, nobody had ever quit smoking pot for themselves. Everybody had always did it because they had a gun to their head or because they were about to go to jail. It was kind of always a last resort type of thing. I there was never nobody kind of ever told me like you should just do it for your health kind of thing. Does that answer your question? I mean, so even at age ten, you had already defined what pot was. It seemed like a good idea. Yeah, it there, there was like, no reason it wasn't a good exactly. Idea in nobody, your world, I'd never seen anybody die from it, or it, it seemed perfectly logical okay um, we, we we actually have another call so okay, let's let's see what our caller has to say hello caller? Uh, hi hi my name is uh, Salahuddin from New York City hi how you doing uh, great great um first time calling the show uh, I'm not really clear on what the topic is forgive me because I just tuned in and just we're in strange topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're talking. Well, actually, we're talking about what uh, the first drug that that Mr. Drughead here had ever done, and he's and he's explaining what you know what that where that came from, what it was like, and that came from a question from our other person here who is interested in how he got started. Does that make sense oh, to you? Okay. <laughs> So you have a drug-related or an alcohol or recovery-related question for us? Uh, well, I, I don't know. It's not so much a question. I, I guess I, I should maybe should have listened a bit more. Um, is uh, is so your show is about recovery, or is it just sharing anecdotes of you know, like you know uh, war stories, if you will, or, or just there's experience with drugs or substances, addiction? Uh, yeah, it's addiction in general. We're we're probably more we're probably more solution oriented, not yeah, not sure. so much story oriented. 
maybe right. open minds about uh, recovery topics. Oh, okay, yeah, great. No, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, just uh, maybe comment. Gee, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, interrupt the flow here, but yeah, no, I, you know, have uh, myself had experience, but you know, with the uh, substance use, I haven't had any substance for almost 16 years, and, and I had, you know, I'd, I'd been involved with 12 steps, and then I got involved with some other uh, types of support systems, and so yeah, I'm familiar with the recovery and. And such so and, uh, uh, so, you, um, can, you say, can you say what other kind of after the twelve steps? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, uh, actually, quite frankly, I, I was like in the uh, uh, in the nineties. I was like mid nineties. I, I had gotten involved with the you know twelve step programs, and then um, I pretty much uh, was in the military, and I. Just fell away from it. I found I really didn't need the, the kind of support anymore, and I was absent. And then when I got out of the military in 97, I started uh, investigating, like, alternatives. Just out of curiosity, like, Smart Recovery, SOS, Secular Organization for Sobriety, Life Ring, Women for Women for Sobriety. And there's really a whole, whole bunch of alternatives out there, you know. Most of it's secular, most of it's... You know, you know uh, cause behavior, if you will, incorporates yeah. a lot of good information. Yeah. Well, good. I'm so, glad yeah, to hear it. Yeah, there's a whole lot out there. I'm glad to hear it. I appreciate your information, and uh, I hope you will uh, tune in. We're changing our time to 8 o'clock on Sunday night from from uh, starting next week. So tune in, call in. Glad to hear from you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Bye. So, all right, maybe we can get then back to a little bit about what wh- where we were. So, your first your first drug and, you know, being pot and you know what? I was struck by something you said. You knew about the smell. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. You sounds- knew what it smelled like when you were you said, I think you said 7 years old. And I, and it occurs to me that smell is such a like pe- I've heard it said that smell is the most powerful uh, memory, yeah, memory, memory related re- sense. Yeah, it is. And so, it's <laughs> like, pot is like, ding, you know, like it's in there, in your head, kind of from Normal. from age seven. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the first memory. smell I can really remember. But I mean, when I I started doing drugs overseas, um, I wasn't in America. I, I wasn't American, but I wasn't in Amer- I wasn't in America when I started doing drugs. Um, I was in Europe, and I mean, it's not that drugs aren't illegal in Europe, it's just that it's a little more widely accepted, and I and I don't mean that to say that it's more accepted by the police, because if you get caught there, it's kind of, no matter what drug you get caught with, it's like getting caught with heroin. But, um, so much as the people being relaxed on it, and no matter what drug you're doing, it's kind of doesn't matter because it's illegal and no matter what you get caught with you're going to prison so it doesn't really matter and i mean i where where i was from it was all one length i mean you did heroin you smoked pot i mean it was all one wavelength i mean you you went to prison for one you went to prison for the other i mean it didn't matter so when i started smoking pot to me it was i can go to jail for just as long for this as i can for the guy that's shooting shooting heroin down the street 
because that's how it seemed to me, because mm-hmm. nobody had ever drawn a line and said, this is a line here, you can't cross it, or, or here's here's three lines, when you get in the middle of these two, you're going wrong. Like, I never had anybody do that. Like, nobody ever said, too much is too much, or enough is too much, or I never had somebody put it up in a mount in front of me and say, you see this? When you did that, that's how you do now, And now you can see, and see, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about the the uh, the setup for for drug addiction. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about experimentation, or mm-hmm. we're not talking about a kid, a high school kid who might, you know, try smoking try pot. smoking pot. You know, we're talking smoke pot sensory for a week. contact and attitudinal the attitudinal setup for like the whole show. Like it just show. made sense more than anything. I mean, you get that? Yeah, Drugs I mean, were just like hands down the most. That's just the things that made the most sense to me. I mean, everybody, everybody around me did it. Everybody, I mean, that's like in my head. That's where I. That's why money circulated in my head. In my head, money got brought from a job to go into somebody's pocket so they could get what they wanted, whether it be alcohol, whether it be pot, mm-hmm. no matter what it be. They went and did their little part of the day, whether it's sit at a factory or sit behind a bar or wait on tables. Mm-hmm. They did that so they could get their little piece to go and pay somebody to get their piece from them. Mm-hmm. So in my head, ever since I was a kid, I mean, my parents owned a bar. So to alcoholics, that's your drug dealer. Right. When you're an alcoholic, your bar is your drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So everybody, all my whole life, the drug dealer has been the best guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been, okay, this guy gets more of what they want for less money than they pay. Mm-hmm. So this guy's on top. I mean, bottom line, that's how it is. But I will say, I'll have to say that, you know, your your story is is pretty, you know, is pretty dramatic because of the, you know, because of that whole attitudinal setup. But a majority of the people don't don't have that level of A lot of people don't have a, even like a certain like, level of ambition towards anything. But people, let me ask you this though. The kids that you know that that are you know, they're just the kids in your neighborhood that you grew up with when you came back here that didn't go to Europe, that didn't have that attitude, that didn't have the the uh the uh the thing that you're talking about about the you know, the yeah. built-in the money is for the, yeah, the pleasure thing. Nobody had. They didn't. They may not have had that, but could? Did they have just as big a chance of getting addicted huh? to drugs? Yeah, as you? absolutely. But they, I mean, they they did. But I had it more set up for me. Yeah, when did. I was a kid, I I thought I thought being bad was good. I thought as you could be was the best you could do. I mean, because my cousin, my cousin was was the uh, he he told people what to do on a certain street in a, in a on a place in Chicago and because of who he was and who he who he was in charge of I thought that that was cool and my cousin was the kind of guy where nobody will walk on the same side of the street as him in his town. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the kind of guy where you want to walk on the other mm-hmm. side of the street for. <laughs> and that's who I wanted to be. I mean, my cousin was my idol. I mean, like, like how some kids got pictures of Scarface in their room. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how my cousin was in my head. Like, just plastered up, like, just like, I mean. So I, let me, excuse me, let, let, me, let, let me interrupt you. So, so let, me get, let me get your perspective. Where's all this taking you right now? Well, I'm still very curious. 
because the person sitting across from me now is not the person you're describing as I see you. So how did you how did you change? Great question. Yeah. Um I don't know. I mean, I kind of grew grew out of it or grew into it and then grew back out of it. I mean, uh, I mean, most people, I mean, that do heroin, they usually wait till like a certain point in their life when they do it or, I mean, they're at least in their double digits or whatever. I mean, most people have like a set time in their life when they decide shit's going to start falling apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, even before it happens, they just decide it. They're like, okay, well, for some fucking reason, when I'm 25, everything's going to fall apart. Well, I was never, oh, I was never growing up to be bad. I was just wanted to be that way. Yeah. I just kind of like woke up one day and like that's how I wanted to be. It wasn't that's how I want to be tomorrow. That's how I want to be in ten years. It's, I'm gonna walk outside and that's how I'm gonna be today. Okay. And that's just how I wanted to be. So, but the question still remains: How did you get here? Um, I mean, I don't mean here, here, but you know yeah, what I'm saying. Right. How did you get? I like, walked. You're no. above. <laughs> you're above ground. You're not in jail. I use my. You're not. You know, um, there's a lot of things you're not. You know, at this point in your your career. So. Um. I mean, I found a new outlet. I mean, there's just. I mean, you have to find an outlet. I mean, whether that outlet be, no matter what the outlet is for you. I mean, you need an outlet of some kind. And I mean, mine was always drugs. I mean, no matter what. I mean, uh, like like they told me in rehab. How would you feel standing next to your best friend on a 20 foot building if you had just pushed him off? Like, that's how you feel about drugs. Like, when you quit, you're standing next to your best friend on a on a skyscraper. And you're looking at him, and he's looking at you, and he's like, you're really not going to push me off this, are you? And you're looking at him thinking, no, I don't want to, because you, he's been there the whole time. And yeah. so here's here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. So you were telling me earlier, and we've talked about this before, one of the things you've done is you've helped, especially with the research chemicals or right. the illegals, but with other stuff too, people call you up and ask you about dosages and ways to do things. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there weren't extremists like myself, there would never be a set amount. <laughs> if there wasn't somebody who to do the excessive amount, there would never be a set amount. So I mean, so in I a guess, weird kind of a way, you help people by stay so, above, stay above ground by trying to put myself underground, kind of. Yeah, well, and you, unsuccessfully apparently. So right. <laughs> so you, that's how you got your knowledge. Yeah, I just I acquired it through self through through trial and error, through self flapping and self coming back. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just. Uh, and it, it's really sad when you get to a point where you can look at somebody and tell them how many drugs to take. You look at them and you're like, hey, your fat content's about 18%. You know, you're a female, which means blah. You know, you ate this much today. You drink X amount of water. You drink Y amount of, you know, you do Y amount of protein in a day. You X amount of so working let me ask out. You this. Do you think that helping other people, I mean, sobered me up? I think it did. What's your, is that your outlet? My outlet is to help people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't help but help people. I mean, people just drive me crazy when they when they try to just play Russian roulette with a machine gun. Kind of, mm-hmm. if I could say that any simpler, I would. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's what I was. That's what I was. You know, that's where we were going. That's what I was getting at. That's one of the ways that I know that that you know that you know that helps apparently helps you stay sober. Oh yeah. You know. Helps you do what you you need to do. Does that does that give yeah? You is some, that a commonality then around recovery is to help someone find an outlet? Um, yeah, yeah. I think 
When I was yeah. in, when I was in rehab, all I could do was write. Mm-hmm. All I could do was write. I mean, for like the life of me, I just couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything. All I could do was write. Yeah. I think I think helping other people is a pretty common is is Money probably okay. any way you know any way any one of the methods that you you'll find out there you know mm-hmm. twelve steps or whatever it is mm-hmm. helping other people is going to be a big part of it. Got it. You know, giving back. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that helps? Um, because there was nobody there to help me. I mean, if I had somebody there to tell me, hey, that wasn't such a good idea. I mean, I did, but it's just that person wasn't in my life as much as the person who did the drugs. So the person who was telling me, hey, that person's not so cool, didn't seem cool to me. The person who was telling me that the other person wasn't cool, they seemed like a loser. So why am I going to listen to the guy who I think is a loser? I'm not. Because I'm not going to listen to them because they just, I think, if I think you're a loser, you're a loser. Mm -hmm. In my head. In my head, if you're a loser, you're you're never going to have anything I want. So why am I going to follow you? Is there any is there anything, any bit of information or wisdom that you think that you that that you're going to take away tonight, Mary Pat, from from this that that you know you maybe something you would tell other parents or something. I think that, we have to look very carefully at the family of origin, the environment that that you're raised within, hmm. and look for the triggers, and hmm. you're going to have. A better or worse chance to end up going down the drug path, depending on what you were exposed to as a young kid. That that story of you as a seven-year-old is really riveting to me. Yeah. It's hard to get past something like that, but yeah. it's, we we need to recognize the early the early exposure to the concepts. You bet. Is there is there anything is there anything that you would say to the to the drug using public out there that you think they ought to know? Um, they didn't learn it by now. They will by the next time they wake up. So I can't say anything. You know, you said something. You, you did say something earlier that I, that I thought was good, and that was, you know, just because somebody uses dr- drugs doesn't mean they're a bad person. Yeah. Right. And even whether they're in recovery, some of the best people I know do drugs. Yeah. Some of the biggest hearts I know are addicted to heroin. Right. And just because their heart's addicted to heroin doesn't mean they got a bad heart. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's easy to forget, you know, and easy to get, you know, begin to, you know, demonize people or think, you know, think they're bad people. And, yeah. And that's just, so I thought that that was really a good, uh, you know, a good thing to, to do. So I think I, I really want to thank you guys tonight for our conversation, and it was great. It was a good, it was a good dialogue. And, uh, you know, Tom, for bringing all your friends. Your I really appreciate uh, uh Arnold, for instance, uh, you know, good Morning. job. Glad all, and welcome. Glad all of all of them could come, and it maybe. It was great seeing all of them, wasn't it? What? Well, Bill and yours. Oh, you know? he's looking better. Yes, he's looking yeah, thinner he's, and. He's in shape. Yeah, he's in yeah. shape. Still, still, you know, looking at the ladies, but that's, you know, that's Bill. Progress, not perfection. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it, um, and uh, thanks. For our listeners for joining us, I'm going to um, and thanks for our thanks our studio audience. Um, I will email next week's show as soon as I have it, which will probably be in the middle of the week. Next week's show because I don't plan ahead. Next week's show will be at eight o'clock, not ten o'clock, but it will stay on Sunday. 
And so I'd like you to remember to live today, love yourself, and love your neighbor. And together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Give us your feedback, mate.